Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. As always, I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And we were talking before the break that uh, we really have to start looking for where solutions happen best that we need to uh, not be dependent on looking to Washington to solve big problems or to take on big issues, uh, but we can do that locally, and that that is actually how the country thrives best. And we have an example of that right here in the state of Utah. It's called the Other Side Academy, and uh, really thrilled to have joining us today, Joseph Grinney. And uh, Joseph, uh, five years, we're we're hitting a, a real important milestone there at the Other Side Academy. We sure are. So much has been accomplished in five years, but I put that in perspective. We're now a kindergartner. So <laughs> as of last Monday, and the Other Side Academy has been around for five years, have close to 100 graduates, uh, a moving company that is the envy of the industry, 10 moving trucks, 250 moves a year, a completely self-reliant population, completely run by people who've been arrested an average of 25 times lived on the streets, homeless, uh, made a wreck of their lives, and now doing magnificent things. Uh, it, it's truly an extraordinary thing to to watch and experience. And uh, as you mentioned, the, the students, and I love that you call them students. We all should actually take that title uh, with a lot of pride. Uh, these students have been in and out of the criminal justice system. They've been on and off the streets and addiction and all of those things. And now you, you have them functioning uh, in really critical spaces, whether it's the moving company, you've got a thrift shop, you've got uh, food services and a host of other things going on. Why is it that this, without any support from the government, federal, state or local, uh, why does this actually work? You know, I, I think that in our with our best intentions to help people, often we help in a way that doesn't help. We, we often expect too little rather than too much from those that we're attempting to help. Our students have tremendous capacity, and so often they've been seen by others as those in need of service. What changes our students' lives is the demand that they start offering service, that they become part of the solution rather than the problem. So here we've got a home that requires about $4 million a year to support, and that $4 million is being produced by 90 former felons, drug addicts, homeless, and and yet they're able to do it. They're able to step up to and accomplish these remarkable things because it's expected of them. And it really is this model of expect more, not less. Uh, and that's actually how you get people to self-reliance and to, to the dignity of work and to becoming a part of the solution, as you said. That's absolutely the case. And, you know, yesterday, three men came into our home and sat on the bench So anybody out there listening that knows somebody whose life is a wreck, that needs a a real solution and change, all they have to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is walk in and sit on the bench, and it costs nothing. They commit to stay for a minimum of two years, 
and they live in a community that will hold them accountable, that will help them look at themselves honestly, that will help them develop the life skills and soft skills they need to be able to function in the world. And again, it costs absolutely nothing. So these three men walked in, sat on the bench, were interviewed by their prospective peers, and were accepted into the house. And their their lives start to change beginning now. Uh, I love that. I've always said that your house there in the, uh, the historic mayor's mansion uh, but the history has nothing to do with the age of the building or <clears throat> who may have lived there in the past. Uh, you are making history uh, with uh, the lives that are changed and the futures that are changed uh, on a daily basis there at the Other Side Academy. And uh, Joseph, I, I want to uh, I want to focus for just a minute uh, on on some lessons learned, and I want to do this in two part because you are you are so good at uh, making sure you spread the achievement. Uh, across the board and to all of your students as well. So I'm, so I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a two-part question. Uh, <laughs> the first part is, what, what have you learned just in this process uh, about how change happens and how do we really transform lives? And then the second part is, I want you to share something that you've learned from your students over the course of uh, these five years. Mm. Uh, boy, that, that's such a rich question. And Probably the central thing I've learned about change is that most of us are who we are because of who we're with, that it's the community we surround ourselves that either gives us permission to be able to act lower than our potential or demands that we live up to our potential. And that's not just true of those who've been involved in crime or drugs or homelessness and things like that, but but it's true of all of us. And so I watch our students sit in the middle of a population, peers who are just a little further down the road of personal change than they are who will not put up with them giving less than they're capable of, who see more and therefore expect more and give honest and direct feedback. One of the things I know now is that there are two ingredients to helping people change. One of them is truth and the other is love. And we often mistake what love really means because we think love means holding back on the truth. In fact, it means uh, a full-throated expression of the truth from an attitude of love and our students get surrounded by a completely different community than the one that they've been in the, in the past, and you see, see the change starting almost instantaneously. Within just a matter of days, they're living at a moral level that they thought they were never going to be capable of. Love, absolutely love that. Oops, did we lose you there, Joseph? Yes. Oh, nope, there we I'm go. Still here. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry uh, about that. Uh, we, we heard a click and thought, uh, thought you had gone uh, into hyperspace there. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, as uh, as again, as we celebrate this great uh, fifth anniversary of the Other Side Academy and again, so many lives transformed there uh, all through work, skills, accountability. And as you mentioned, love, uh, just give us one more time uh, in terms of people who come into the Other Side Academy. Uh, it doesn't cost them anything. There's no insurance cost there. Uh, this is something that is just self-sustaining. It, it, it is uh, truly the most remarkable thing I think we have going in the state when it comes to actually helping people transform their lives. It's pretty special. And I want to give a shout out on our anniversary date here to you and to the dozens and dozens of people in the community that, that really deserve some of the credit for the Other Side Academy surviving in its first couple of years. We needed people that would help remove legislative obstacles city obstacles, building obstacles, and, and you and so many others stepped in and helped us accomplish exactly that. And now with a clear runway, the students have done the rest. They've been supporting themselves. So, yes, this costs nothing. 
and uh, it's residential, and it's long. Uh, it's long enough that people have a real chance to learn to live a different kind of life and practice a whole different set of skills. Uh, one of the most remarkable moments in the last five years was going to a city meeting where we were asking for a conditional use permit and having the police department stand up and show that the crime rate in our neighborhood had dropped since 90 felons had moved into the neighborhood. And, you know, who would, who would have thought? Not only that, but instead of costing the state of Utah $30 million over the last five years to incarcerate our students, they're now living in downtown Salt Lake City, and they produced $14 million in income. It, it, you know, wrap your mind around that for a moment. And, and if anything gives you some evidence that deep change and profound change is possible, those little anecdotes ought to give us a little hope. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is uh, both inspired and inspiring to watch. Uh, I know you've continued to expand here in the state of Utah and you've ventured out into uh, Colorado and uh, hopefully into San Diego and some other places uh, because this is a an extraordinary model. This is the America model. It's the Utah model uh, of how we can be self-reliant how we can learn these critical things, and then everyone can contribute. And uh, I, I remember some of those early meetings and, yeah, saying that 90 felons had moved into the neighborhood. Uh, and that's so important because we, we, we often have the not-in-my-backyard mentality. And thank heavens that uh, you were able to have a community that would say, okay, let's give this a run, and then to see the miracles and to watch the transformation that it actually became a safer neighborhood and a better neighborhood because 90 former felons moved in uh, and are doing some extraordinary things. It's inspiring to watch. That's exactly right. And that same city meeting, we had 55 neighbors turn out, and every single one of them argued that they wanted us to stay. So that's that's another remarkable kind of expression of this. And you're absolutely right, too, Boyd, that this is the DNA of Utah. We believe in in human potential in this state, and we believe in self-reliance. And those are the two most important elements of, uh, of our DNA, of the Other Side Academy. You know, one of the other miracles that's happened is people who used to be incarcerated in Utah have now moved to Colorado, to Denver, and are going into the jails and bringing people out to our campus in Denver. That will shortly be happening in San Diego as well. So one of the, the most wonderful exports of Utah now is our former felons. People who are going out to other states and carrying this model to other places and helping change lives there as well. Uh, if you want to be inspired today, go check out the Other Side Academy. Uh, it is amazing, and and it starts as Joseph just said. It starts because they treat people. These people who have been in and out of the system, they treat them not as liabilities to be managed. They treat them as humans with divine and unlimited potential to be fostered and developed. Uh, it's an extraordinary thing. It is a great uh, export from the state of Utah as well. Joseph, congratulations on five years. And I know this is just the end of the beginning. Uh, there are great <laughs> things to come and uh, many lives to be transformed and changed. And uh, we appreciate your efforts there at the Other Side Academy. Thanks for all you've done for us, Boyd. You've been there from the beginning. All right. Very good. We'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue this idea of it isn't the politicians that lead. It's community. It's culture. It's people. Find out why next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.